This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of his seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome to our show. This week, we get to know more about reliever Kevin Jepsen and his return to Tampa Bay. Lots to talk about at the trading deadline. Todd Callis of Fox Sun Sports will be with us. We'll visit with Durham manager Jared Sandberg, who's going to the Arizona Fall League. Chat about the entire system with Mitch Lukovich and look at the deadline on a national front with Sweeney Murdy, who covers the Yankees, and also Anthony Kastrovins of MLB.com. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball. Our featured guest this week is Kevin Jepson. And, Jep, we are now a little bit over 24 hours before the trading deadline. So take me back a year and remember what it was like for you at this time a season ago. Yeah, it was, um, you know, you hear all the rumors. Uh, you know, the media's coming up asking you, uh, you know, if you're reading everything that's out there. You know, where do you think you'll go? Do you think you'll get traded? Um, I mean, it, it's uh, it's definitely... It can wear on you, you know. As a player, you're out here trying to to win games for your ball club. Last year, you know, I felt that we were in the race, so um, you know, I didn't think that there was a chance I would get traded. Um, you know, we fly up to Boston. It's it's the last day of the deadline. We're getting down two hours before the deadline, and at that point, I figured, okay, you know, I'm in the clear. And about 20 minutes later, I get a call from Cash. How surprised then were you, and what was the conversation like? Um, I mean, at that point, uh, you know, you're just trying to take it all in. Okay, you know, I was getting traded to Minnesota, so now I'm trying to figure out. I got all that stuff racing through my head. Uh, you know, I, I go to the ballpark to get all my stuff, play catch, uh, you know, with Kersey one last time, talk to the guys, say bye. Uh, that was the hardest part, you know, leaving the guys, leaving the clubhouse. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I enjoyed my time here. You know, I'm back uh, now, but uh, it's it's tough. You know, from from a player standpoint, the uh, the midseason trade is is definitely something that's uh, probably one of the hardest things I've gone through in my career. Was it harder than the trade, let's say, from the Angels, your original organization, because that occurred in the off season of the Rays? Absolutely. Um, you know, the off season you have time to let it soak in. You, you're talking, you have time to talk to guys, and then you have all spring training to uh, to get to know everybody. And uh, so that way, when the season starts, you know, you've had six weeks with the guys. Uh, when you go mid-season, the team's been playing together for you know however many months, including spring training. Um, you know, there's always a, always a feel in the clubhouse that they already have, and you're coming in. Uh, you're the new guy. You're taking somebody's spot. Uh, you know, and if you're tra- getting traded to a contender, you, you know you're the guy that's going to come in and help them get there. It's you know the thought. So, 
it's definitely a stressful time, and that's not even including finding a place to live. You you know you have no car. It's a new city. Um, you know all that goes in in the midst of you still trying to go out there and get guys out. And you mentioned you know in the days leading up, they're asking, "Are you reading? Do you guys in the clubhouse read? Do most of people ignore it? I mean, what what are the conversations like? I would say it's about half and half. Um, you know, some guys are always on uh, you know MLB app or uh, you know on the MLB trade rumors. Uh, some guys just love doing that. They love being on there and uh, being up to date and everything that's going on. Um, you know, and then you have other guys that, uh, you know, I don't want to waste their time with all the rumors and, you know, because it changes every day. You know, this guy's going to this club, then the next day he's going over here. So, you know, it's hard to keep up. But, uh, yeah, I would say it's mixed. It's about half and half. What about you? Do you watch it anymore? Do you listen to it? Do you tune it out? Yeah, I don't I don't get on there and, and read up and, and uh watching on tv you drive yourself crazy at least you know for me but uh like i said that's just me you know other guys like to know and and be in the know so um it just depends on who you are i think it's pretty admirable how the starting pitchers especially and the guys who've been rumored during this whole stretch have handled themselves how impressed have you been since you've come back here about the way they've carried themselves on the field because i would imagine from a human standpoint it's not easy to perform night in night out when there are rumors about you yeah, especially, uh, you know, the way this season is, uh, you know, with so many games out and, and the way these guys are, have been throwing the ball, um, you know, there's no doubt that there's so many clubs out there that would love to get any one of, you know, our starters. Uh, so for them to be able to go out, tune that out, and uh, pitch not just good, but how unbelievable they've been uh, coming out of the break is it's really impressive. It's, uh, it's fun for somebody like me to watch. You came back at the break. Walk us through what happened and why you said, I want to be with the Rays. Yeah, I mean, obviously, season didn't go as uh, I had planned. Um, I was in a unique situation where, you know, I was back at home, uh, gosh, I don't know, 10, 12 days in the middle of summer, which, uh, you know, was kind of nice, but maybe under different circumstances it would have been a little better. But, uh, you know, and then I had a lot of teams uh, to decide, and that was the hardest part. I guess it was my first taste at free agency, um, but kind of in a different uh, different light. Um, it was pretty stressful, to be honest with you, uh, trying to figure out the best situation for me uh, to finish up the rest of this year uh, strong going into free agency. Um, you know, I had, had some teams that had offers to go do that were, you know, uh, in the playoff hunt, um, and that's obviously ideal for a player, you know, to go somewhere that's uh, your chance to get back to the playoffs and that whole deal. Um, you know, and I was getting texts from, you know, a bunch of front office guys here. Um, you know, when you, when you have the GM and assistant GMs and manager and coach and pitching coaches, all these guys texting you and calling you, um, you know, from from a, a human element, it's huge. You know, you put away the baseball part and you just – you know how much fun you had playing here in Tampa and love the staff, love the guys. And, um, ultimately that's what, uh, that's what pushed me over the edge. And again, you mentioned staff in front office, but I know Longo texted you and, and he was one of several players who said, well, Hey, we need jet back. I mean, was there a text or a message that put it over the top? I think it was just, uh, you know, the cumulative, like you said, you know, I've been talking to Longo, you know, all year, just back and forth. But, uh, yeah, once, uh, once I was done with the Twins, you know, Long was texting. I got texts from, uh, you know, Cobby, and um, I don't know that it was just one, you know, but, uh, you know, Hickey and Stan are calling me, you know, cash. Um, and then once you once you get the bosses involved and they start texting you, you know, 
um, it, it definitely uh, it definitely sets them aside for sure. When you came back, one of the things that was said by Evan is it doesn't matter what he does on the field. He means so much to this clubhouse and what he can do in terms of helping the bullpen and helping the guys beyond the fact that he's a talented pitcher. What does that mean to you, and what does make a good clubhouse guy? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. Um, no, it, it, it definitely means a lot. Um, I've never been one of those guys that's rah-rah, um, you know, hold team meetings, stand up there and tell guys we need to do this, we need to do that. Um, I just like to have fun, you know, enjoy being at the ballpark, uh, you know, thing I learned when I was younger on, on the Angels and you know you got teams that make the playoffs and teams that didn't uh, the teams that, that stayed even keel the whole season you know don't uh, get too low when you're going through a losing streak and don't think you're as good as you are when you're you know 10 games up uh, you know you just keep going out there and grinding every game um, but after the uh, 27 outs are made you know enjoy being at the ballpark you know if you're struggling and going through it doesn't mean you can't smile and have a good time um, you know I think uh, sometimes and we all do it uh, you know you're struggling and, and that carries over into the clubhouse and you take it home with you and next thing you know you're spending you know every part of your day just being miserable and it's the game's too hard um, so just you know keeping it loose having fun in the clubhouse and uh, you know enjoy the guys you're with who was an example of that as someone you were with with the angels that did that for you and, and kind of taught you the way yeah I think it, we when I first came up we had, we had such a good clubhouse um you know, veteran guys like like Lackey and, and Scott Shields. And, you know, I played my first four years with Tory Hunter. Um, you know, Tory keeps clubhouse loose, you know. Um, he's more competitive than anybody I've ever seen uh, when the game's going on. And, and as soon as the game's over, I think he gives himself about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, to be pissed off about however the game went, if it didn't go good. You know, and then he's back to his, his same self. And every day, whether he's, you know, you know, 0 for 40 or 40 for 40, he's walking to the clubhouse in a good mood, you know, and enjoying the uh, the job that we get to do. So seeing that, you know, um, okay, just resonated with me. And I figured, you know, look, this guy come in and be happy every day, you know, you got you to enjoy what we do. And I think there's something to be said, too, for being a mentor like that. Um, how can you help? Because I, I know the staff overall has pitched much better since the all-star break how can you help some of the guys down in that bullpen because it is a pretty young group learning how to win and do the little things in a bullpen to, to allow them to be successful or more successful right um you know i think i just try to uh instill with these guys is that you can't focus on the results because we can't control those um just focus on on your preparation you know stuff you can come in and control every day is is uh you know, the attitude when you get here, and then you just your routine, you know, don't take a day off, uh, you know, don't don't skip out on, on stuff that you do every day, and, and just get yourself ready to pitch, and I think that gives you confidence when you get out on the mound, that you know you've already put the work, and you've already, you know, gone through the grind, and uh, the fun part is now out, out there on the game, you know, take the work and, and do it inside, so that way you can just have fun out here, and, you know, don't, don't hang your hat too much on, on what goes out here, because there's going to be times where you feel like you can't get anybody out and there's times where you're the best pitcher in baseball. So, um, take it for what you will and just have fun out there on the field and then don't worry about the stuff. Once you let go of that ball, you have no control over what happens. It's a round ball, it's a round bat. You know, sometimes they square it up and it's right at somebody. Sometimes you break a bat and it flares in. So, uh, you know, if you get hung up too much on, on the outcome of, 
of exactly what's going to happen. It's it's going to be a long season. But that said, your outcomes have been better since you came back here. And I know that one of the things that you enjoyed about this organization was their attention to detail and data. Are there things that they picked up from your time in Minnesota that you've now used to start to help you with your process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I got here uh, the last day of the break. Um, you know, just kind of came in, set my stuff down. The ne- very next day, uh, I was sitting uh, sitting down here in a video room with uh, Eric Neander and, and just going over just numbers, um, stuff that I, I'm, I've already done. You know, and that's what I love about here. It's it's not a uh, it's not theories on what we think might happen if you change this or if you try this, this might happen. It's here's what you've done. When you're successful, you're doing xyz and when you're not you know this is what's happening so uh for them to put that in front of you it gives it gives you such much more confidence i would say knowing that uh like my biggest thing was uh strike one you know and they're just i think it was over the last year year and a half um they got through 166 or something first pitch strikes um i'd given up six hits you know so when you see stuff like that, it's why would you not throw the ball over the plate? Even if it's right down the middle, you know, you've given up six hits out of 166. Those are good, pretty good odds. Uh, you know, and it's stuff like that. And then when you get behind, you know, the numbers change to X. So uh, it's it's little things like that that go beyond stuff that you can control. You know, you can control throwing strikes. So if that's all it takes is for to help myself out, that's a, that's an easy fix. So uh, yeah, it's little little info like that that they spend hours on their doing, you know, and they come down and show us, and you kind of feel like an idiot going, man, so simple. But uh, it's uh, it's it's things like that that allow uh, us as players to get better. And it's a game that's far from simple, as we all know. You seem to have such a comfort level here. Is there a chance, and how good a chance do you think that after this year, if all goes well, you'd want to be here again next year? as you decide on free agency. Yeah, I would love to. Um, you know, I would absolutely love to sign back here. Um, you know, chance-wise, I don't know. You know, we'll see see what happens. But, uh, yeah, Tampa would definitely be at the uh, – towards the top of my list, you know, as far as places uh, to sign back. So, uh, you know, hopefully the year ends well and, and uh, you know, we get to have that conversation. Well, continued success in the clubhouse – on the field, continue to have fun, and it's great to have you on this week in race baseball. All right, thank you. That's Kevin Jepson. We'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. We continue on this week in race baseball. Todd Callis of Fox Sports Sun joining us in TK. Hard to believe the big news of the day is something that might have been caused by the Rays winning the first two games of this series against the Yankees. Andrew Miller going to Cleveland. Yeah, it's deja vu, if you will. Dave Dombrowski, who was then the GM of the Tigers last year, said when the Rays won the first two games of that series, that kind of freed them up to trade a David Price to Toronto. And prior to that, they were kind of in the same position the Yankees were, where they weren't sure if they were in or out. Uh, before Brian Cashman said after the Araldis-Chapman trade, this is not a white flag. But when you go both Miller and Chapman, it's obvious that the Yankees are trying to to build, to, to create some pieces for the future and not worry so much about 2016. But yes, the Blue Jays in 2015 and the Indians this year can thank the Rays for winning uh, the 
first two games of a series leading into the trade deadline. Certainly has impacted things, and Steve Pierce not in the lineup today. I'm sure that's going to lead to all kinds of speculation because here we are just over 24 hours away. Yeah, you've got to find a way to play Tim Beckham somehow, and uh, Pierce gets the day off. You know, Steve's been playing a lot since he came back from that hamstring injury, and he really didn't have much of a rehab. So uh, they're going to find him some spots. Of course, it looks a little strange leading into the trade deadline. I would say of all the players on the roster, he's the most likely uh, to be dealt, which is unfortunate because he's, uh, in a short amount of time, become one of my favorites that have not only been on this team but in any Rays team. They're just the way he goes about his business. Great clubhouse guy. Uh, really plays the game of baseball the right way, and uh, we haven't had a ton of those types of players. So, unfortunate if he is traded, uh, but hopefully it's just for a few months and possibly the Rays can entertain getting him back for next year. Indeed, especially a guy who lives locally here in the offseason. You know, with all the trade rumors, what's been most impressive is the Rays starters have been at their best while all the rumors have been swirling. Yeah, I don't know if there's a motivating factor there or not, but you're right. Ever since the All-Star break and leading into this trade deadline, the starting pitching has been uh, beyond solid. It, it has been lights out. It, a one five zero ERA over two full turns in the rotation for the starters is otherworldly. And the Rays have the best team ERA since the All-Star break. Um, this is even better than you could have hoped for going into a season. So it's hard to say this is what the Rays have been waiting for because it's beyond that. Uh, but somewhere between... The unbelievable performance where they are now and where they were the first half, if they were a little closer to this 10-game stretch, then I think the Rays wouldn't be talking about being sellers. They'd be talking about where they are in the wild card or division standings. Indeed. And, you know, that said, you know, you take a look at the way they've pitched, and is there a Kevin Kiermaier factor in all this? Since he came back to the break, the defense has been better. Now Luke Maley's been behind the play, too, and suddenly the guys are pitching better. Coincidence or not? Well, it's hard to diminish uh, what your defense can do for your pitching staff, and there is certainly a KK factor. There's no team in baseball that wouldn't be better as a staff with KK, Kevin Kiermaier, in center field. So uh, there's definitely a factor. How big of a factor it is, it's hard to quantify. I know there's defensive runs categories that uh, he creates uh, more defensive runs saved than anybody in baseball. But uh, there's definitely an energy level that, that lifts up, too, when Ke- Kevin Kiermaier is on your team. Uh, you look at his raw numbers, his average, and his on-base percentage, and it doesn't really speak to uh, what kind of dynamic player he is. Like last night being a great example, not only the catch in center field against the wall, which, which saved Matt Andres after he had just given up a home run, uh, but that previous half inning where he turns a single into a double challenging Carlos Beltran, he steals third base, he brings the infield in and allows Steven Souza to hit a ball that may or may not have been caught, possibly not, uh, but still it's an easy single now with the infield in as opposed to the infield back. And now all of a sudden instead of a guy on first base and Souza at the plate, uh, Souza with the infield in with a little flare in the left field ends up dri- driving in a run. And the way I look at it, Kevin's impact too, is the fact that you know where he can cover allows the left and right fielders to play more toward the line, and that allows you to cover more ground as a group, and it gives the pitchers confidence and conviction maybe in their pitches. I think that's a good point. I think that's overlooked is the the uh, impact he has on the corner outfielders and where they're allowed to roam, and, and they don't have to be as close to center field when he's out there just because he does have that much coverage. So you're right. Uh, not only it helps your whole area in the, in the center field uh, quadrant, but it also helps your corner guys and where they can position. Uh, should be an interesting next 28 hours. Hug watch, I guess, is on in all dugouts around the country, and especially this one. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think it's likely something will happen, even if it's just one deal. And um, if the Rays get overwhelmed, I, I would think that there's certainly the possibility that one or two of the starters could be uh, gone by tomorrow. We'll see. But, I, you know, right now it looks like as we sit here prior to the Sunday game, it's not going to be a major deal, but a lot of things can change between now and then. 
And that is Todd Callis of Fox Sports Sun. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. To the wall! Gone! 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM, home of the Rays. Neil Solon's with you on This Week in Rays Baseball. We're going to get away from the trading deadline for a moment. This week on the minor league side, it was announced Durham manager Jared Sandberg is going to manage in the Arizona Fall League. And Jared now joins us. Jared, thanks for a few minutes, and uh, congratulations. Yeah, no, I'm uh, looking forward to it. As a player, never uh, had the opportunity to go out there. So to be able to go out there as a manager and and be a part of uh, what the Arizona Fall League means and what it's about is really exciting, and it's going to be a great experience for me. From a managerial standpoint and from a coach in the race system standpoint, give us some perspective what it means to you to get the opportunity to be there for this six-week stretch. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a chance for me to be around uh, some, some top prospects, meet some good, good prospects and some players, and and uh, just continue to manage. And uh, for me, it's developing um, me as a manager and uh, get out there and meet some different people in the baseball industry, whether it's scouts or or, uh, or GMs or other other uh, farm directors and field coordinators that come in. So just going to be a good interaction and a good experience as a whole. It seems that, you know, the league, I wouldn't say is skewing younger, but last year the Rays had uh, Jake Bowers and Daniel Robertson, who is now playing AAA baseball. But you're going to have some guys who you maybe haven't managed yet. From a Rays standpoint, how much do you think that will help to get to know some of those guys better? Our organization. But... But I've got to a higher level and been able to back with. Uh, um, you know, from a baseball standpoint, it's going to be good to get to know some of the younger players when, when and uh, whoever those players. Uh, just because, you know, for those f- first five in the lower levels and got to see the players as they came in to the system from our draft and, and uh, was around all those guys and boy, those guys are, are coming up here. But some of the younger players that haven't been around would be a uh, good time to I know from a, a managerial standpoint in the Arizona Fall League, I wouldn't say you know things are somewhat controlled, but they are to a point because certain guys have to play certain amounts. But is there anything as a manager that you think you, you could learn from uh, an opportunity like this? Yeah, it's just different personalities every day and from other organizations. So um, I think managing the game will be similar to what we're doing right now as far as there's a lot of structure and not a lot of in-game moves, but... I know uh, my staff up here with Kyle Snyder and Ozzie Timmons were continuing to have conversations throughout the game and talk different strategies, even though they don't really necessarily happen. But uh, I think, you know, in there, it's, it's going to be um, good because I'll get to continue to be more organized, and there's a lot of structure out there as far as, you know, staying ahead on lineups for the week and uh, what my responsibilities are in Austin. And a lot of information I haven't gotten yet, so I'm still gathering different conversations yesterday Louisville asked the town and Delano the Shields is their manager and I was and uh, as far as what he went through as a manager in there's on a league um, and he said that you know it's pretty much what the players play and and uh, keep up with the tradition and um, you know when uh, pretty much Jared, the other thing I was curious, you know, from a, a playing standpoint, you know, it's the trading deadline now, and your guys are as close to the big leagues as any. 
Do you have to talk to guys at all? I mean, do they start to, to worry about what's going on or start to follow the headlines and things of that nature? And did you do it much when you were a player? Do it much as a player, no. Um, but I know that, you know, there's, you know, everywhere that they these players read and their name, uh, you get caught up in, in the situation. So I, I just tell them through different conversations that, they just need to focus on the task at hand. That's playing baseball. And if their name's called uh, in a trade and they have to go somewhere else, so trying to go out there and play, think about going to another or one of the big trades, um, they're not going to play very well. So the task at hand is to play baseball and not worry about the business things too much. Uh, it's funny. It's some of the on in our clubhouse. It's like we're on a rotation. So other, uh, some of the players will line up. The other day, a couple of the players were out of the lineup, and they were joking. Oh, must be trade deadline. What's going on? I said, oh, yeah, you can't worry about it. There's uh, you know, some jokes going on when guys are out of the lineup and stuff like that. But I think we're uh, we're focused on the task at hand. We're a good ball club right now here in Durham. We're a first place team. We've we've come a long way from uh, so I think we've uh, we're kind of stuck behind us. We're just playing baseball. Well, we appreciate uh, a few minutes. Uh, you're right. You guys are playing your best baseball of the year, and I'm sure we're going to touch on some of the prospects and how they're evolving as we go here in the final six weeks of the season for you. We appreciate a few minutes uh, today, and again, congratulations on the Arizona Fall League. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got it, Jared. That's Jared Sandberg, again, manager of the Durham Bulls. They are in first place in the AAA International League, and he's going to manage in the Arizona Fall League. We take now a closer look at the Rays minor league system, and joining us, Director of Operations, Mitch Lukovic. And, Mitch, before we touch on some players, uh, what does it mean to see Jared, who you had as a player in the system and now managing for several years, go to the Arizona Fall League to do the same? Well, Neil, that's a great feeling for us. You know, Bill Evers was the manager. I was a coach here in 1996 with Jared first time with us and was uh, a devil ray at the time got to the big leagues as we know and now managing our Durham ball club the last two years and here it's gotten a wonderful opportunity to keep learning in the Arizona Fall League we're really proud of that let's touch on the system for the year to this point what would you say are the best stories in the system in terms of guys evolving or taking major steps forward well you look at Willie Adamas you know he's the headline player I don't like to single out players Neil because there's a lot of kids that are performing you might not mention her name but Willie Adamas is having a, a banner year a Honeywell kid that we promoted uh, had a little arm uh, I wouldn't say setback, but a little stiffness in his arm. He's performing real well. Uh, we got the McCarthy kid to uh, our Stone Crab team from uh, Bowling Green and Cronenworth, the same thing. So we have some kids that uh, you know, are making progress through the system. I want to mention a few, and our teams, you know, it's, it's uh, the dog days. It's August, and our teams, uh, for the most part, are really competing in the leagues they're playing against and we're going to spend a little bit more of the time on the full-season clubs, Mitch, but there is one guy at the short-season level I wanted to ask you about just because of the numbers that he's putting up. Adrian Rondon, I mean, it seems night and day from his first year coming to the States. How big a transformation has he made? I know he's still a very long way away being in Princeton in the Rookie League. The greatest transformation in a young player. He's so young. He signed at 16. He just turned 18 and very young, immature 
you know, mentally kids. Certainly had physical tools. And we got him in camp, uh, I would say, in January with Willie Adamas and Andrew Velazquez. And we were just slowly working on a few things in the offseason. And with him being with some really good, mature players, it helped him mature. And the physical tools are, are coming through. And you're starting to see the bat play like everybody thought his bat would play when he was signed. So, we're really excited about that, and yet he's at the right age of 18, Neil. Yes, and, and again, obviously very talented. Now, at the top of the chain in Durham, there's a guy who's made a lot of progress this year from the pitching side that you moved to the bullpen. How impressed have you been about the way Ryan Stanek has handled the move to pitching out of the pen? Well, it's tremendous, and you know I'm a very positive guy, but here's a young man that was often hurt young in his career, and through his hard work, our medical team and our pitching coaches, trying to find the right niche for him. Now, when you have a good arm, we like to start guys, but it wasn't holding up. We break down. Louie Robinson and our staff kind of tweet the arm action a little bit, which sometimes becomes risky. With the help of Joe Bench and uh, Joel Smith, our medical guys keeping him healthy, he's a power pitcher, 100 miles per hour, 98 hard, sharp slider. He's in the best shape of his career. His his physical health has been good, and we're still guarding him. You know, you're just never out of the woods. You monitor what he does, but my God, he has major league plus plus stuff. I can't further away that I'm hearing a lot of good things about from a bullpen standpoint. Um, started the year in Bowling Green. He's now at high A. What can you tell me about Diego Castillo, who's now with the Stone Crabs, pitching out of the pen there? Well, you know, when you say with good arms, Diego Castillo has that. And I want to throw in Ian Gabot, a first year, mm. full year player, almost in that category. Diego's a product of a Latin program, but he's 98, 96, hard slider, you know, competes. He's starting to learn how to control, you know, control his pitches. You know that right raw resource and the ball's all over the place and through good work he's learning to throw a quality strike and this kid Ian Ian Gabot the same in his first full year maybe a tick below with Diego but both big arms that compete one day as they keep making progress can compete on the major league level because of the stuff they have well that's encouraging you know, another thing that I think is encouraging, I mean, you guys have pushed some guys, and, and Willie Adamas is, again, just 20 years of age. Yeah, I think quietly Jake Bowers has had a pretty good season at the same level for A Montgomery. What has impressed you about his year? He's steady. And, and this is what I mentioned earlier, Neil. You mentioned Willie. You mentioned Honeywell. You can always forget. You don't want to forget, but you forget mm-hmm. that Jake Bowers, you know, what is he, 20 as well? He's playing almost now a full season in double A and what you love about Jake Bowers he's steady comes to, comes to the ballpark every day the same way there's no up, there's no down sort of say if there are downs he handles it if there are up he handles it in a professional manner you don't get too giddy you're playing the next day and young Jake Bowers has that right mental approach to take on a professional game because it's every day. It's a roller coaster ride for a lot of these kids, and a lot take a lot longer to handle it. And he's handled it at a ripe young age. We're proud of that. 
A guy who's a little bit older but has made a pretty big move this year is Casey Gillespie. I mean, basically he spent a half year in, in low A last year and then was hurt for a good portion in high A, went to double A, and now moved to triple A. What was the reasoning behind pushing him, and why has he succeeded in doing so? Well, let me start when he came for Hudson and Hudson Valley. It's hard. The number one pick, there's always a bullseye on your chest. There's an adjustment. You know, okay, you get through with uh, the Hudson Valley season, then he goes to the um, to our Bowling Green Club, and, and actually did pretty good, but there was this kid, Jake Bowers, that was doing pretty good at a level higher. So now they both start off at the same season, but in Casey, he is a little bit older. He's 23. I think he, even though he was a college fan, he matured mentally. He matured, believe it or not, physically, the right mindset. And we love Jake Powers. We love Casey Gillespie. Gillespie has more more power. Powers more steady with the bat. And we have two bright young kids that, that can help our big league team one day. But Casey, being a little bit older, we gave him the edge to get to Durham, uh, and, and, he's, and he's holding his own. We're happy about that. Real good stuff, Mitch. We appreciate some time. Nice to see so many of your teams also competing for the postseason. And uh, we will talk to you soon, I'm sure, about, again, further evolutions within the system. You got it, Neil. Always my pleasure. Thank you. That is the director of minor league operations for the Rays in one Mitch Lukovich. If you're looking for an outing for friends, family, or coworkers, well, you can bring your group out to the ballpark. Get a great discount on the ticket price. Call today. Learn how each member of your group can get a Rays hat. Call 888-FAN-RAYS for more information. Well, we'll be back on this week in Rays baseball with a closer look at the trading deadline. We're going to hear from Anthony Castrovince of MLB.com. More on the Yankees move. That and much more after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Big trade today at the deadline. Andrew Miller, of course, going to the Cleveland Indians. Now, the thought was Jonathan Lucroy was going to go as well. He has vetoed that deal, apparently, from Milwaukee. Talk to Anthony Castrovince of MLB.com and Sports on Earth before the show. And, uh, again, for full disclosure, we actually didn't know at the time that Lucroy had said no, but got his take on what the Indians were doing. Yeah, it's, it's quite a haul. And for the Indians, the important element of this is that both those guys are under control beyond 2016 because, obviously, they very much raided their farm system uh, to, to get these deals uh, in place. And it, so it speaks to two things. It speaks to, one, the urgency that they feel for, for 2016. You know, they enter the week with the best record of the American League. There's obviously great value in that. There's great value in their starting rotation, but there were also some holes on this club, and they filled those with, you know, obviously, two of the best players uh, in this trade market. Um, but for them, it, it's still a reasonably safe play in that, uh, you know, the, the contractual control is reasonable uh, beyond 2016, and it, it, you know, it extends that window in the uh, quote-unquote Terry Francona era. And certainly gives them this year and at least next year because Luke Roy signed for next year. Miller is signed through 18 and you know i look at a lot of what uh, either mlb.com's you know prospect experts or baseball america is saying they had seven of the top hundred prospects yeah. in the game so they did have some room without destroying their entire system yeah absolutely and there was something it was an interesting juncture you could even kind of see it coming going into the season um not not that you could see trades of this magnitude going into the season but you could certainly see where they were really set up well where you know, despite having a very quiet winter, uh, especially relative to some other clubs even in the division, 
Um, it, it was one of those things where you could see if they could just be frisky, if they can hang around contention. You know, midseason they had the pieces to, to make to make moves and, and to make upgrades. And then, of course, uh, on both fronts, uh, that that became exaggerated in a good way. Uh, they, they weren't just frisky or fringy. They were, you know, as I said, best record in, in the division, best record in the American League. And it wasn't just uh, some nice upgrades. It was, you know, probably the best all-around player who will be dealt at this deadline in Lucroy. Um, obviously, he impacts the game in, in a lot of ways, defensively and offensively. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a coin toss between Chapman or Miller as to who's mm-hmm. the best reliever move, but it's clearly one of those two guys. And, and the beauty of Miller is, of course, the contractual control, control beyond this one. And Indians do have the option. Um, just floating it out there, but they do have the option at, at season's end or you know this winter uh, if they wanted to flip Miller to someone else and 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 recoup some of that prospect value. That's certainly an option they could entertain. Certainly, and you know the other thing is Miller's been more flexible, where he pitched right. for the Yankees in whatever role, where Chapman has been seen as a guy who wants to finish the game and be in the ninth inning. Yeah, that's a that's a key point as well. You know, uh, Cody Allen, the Indians' closer. He's, he's pretty underrated uh, what he's done for them in the ninth inning the last few years, but he even said last week he was open to a role change uh, in the right scenario, and that was at the time, you know, before Chapman went to the Cubs um, and before anybody knew what was going to happen with Miller, but, um, you know, it's something he is open to. He's not married to that ninth inning role, which is important for them. So now they have two guys back there, Allen and Miller, who are both very good at what they do, one from the right-hand side, one from the left-hand side, and they're both... uh, you know, they're both guys who are comfortable in whatever role, which is something that's very important in this game. You don't always see that. Uh, people people get so accustomed to that ninth inning and, and the routine that comes with that. So flexibility is important here. Anthony, you cover the Indians for MLB.com. So what's your take on this for the city of Cleveland? It's just great. You know, it, uh, obviously coming off the, the Cavs championship in the NBA, uh, there's just a different sense of optimism around here. It's not the, you know, when is the other shoe going to drop kind of feel. Uh, and this only adds to that. And it, 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 it certainly, uh, it probably inspires a, a section of the fan base that was very skeptical, uh, and has been very skeptical for many years, uh, when it comes to this team. We've seen the attendance numbers, you know, it's a team that struggled to draw even when having some decent seasons the last few years. Uh, you've seen an attendance uptick, uh, in recent weeks. They were, they were on the road. The, uh, better part of July, the Republican National Convention was in town. So they were on the road coming out of the All Star break for, you know, for ten days or so. Uh, but they came home to great crowds, and, and this only amplifies that. It, it got people pretty fired up. You know, I, th- I would think that this also compares somewhat to what Kansas City did last year. I mean, they got Ben Zobrist and Johnny Quinto yeah. last year at the deadline. Do small market teams are they now realizing the window may be very short, and you have to capitalize when you have the chance to win a World Series? Yeah, I think so. I think you, you have to maximize your moment. I think the Indians know that. And you look around, the Indians are a team built around their starting pitching, um, and, and that's such a, a great strength to have in this game, to have controllable starting pitching that is cheap. Uh, I mean, their rotation, they're paying like 13 or $14 million for these guys this year. Um, so they, they recognize the value of that. But they also, I mean, you look at the New York Mets and the injuries they've had. That's a team built around their rotation. Got them to the World Series last year and really been ravaged by injuries this year. Uh, so that's it's a strength that can change in a hurry, and I think you have to really capitalize on, on your moment when it's presented to you. The Royals certainly did that last year. They had that, that look in their eye all year after getting to the World Series and falling short in 2014. 
Uh, for the Indians, it's a little different in that they haven't been there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is certainly a club. We know this is a club with a starting pitching to ascend through October, and, and now they've really rounded out the rest of the roster very well. And for the Yankees, it's the first time in more than two decades you're yeah. seeing a, a, what appears to be at least a, a rebuild for now. Yeah, and I think this is a tremendous job by Brian Cashman. I really do. Uh, he had to sell this to ownership that this is the right course for this franchise because it's not. It's it, it, a lot of reluctance to, to go down this road. Um, because the Yankees represent something big, you know, uh, and, and it's not in their DNA to, to to go this route. But it was certainly the prudent path, given uh, the makeup of the roster, the age of the roster, the financial commitments on the roster. Um, they're getting some major money coming off the books in the next few years. And, you know, what they've done here in these trades, they've really they've moved their system up the ladder in a big way. They now have one of the strongest farm systems in baseball, for my money, after this haul they got for Chapman and Miller. Uh, and they can still move Carlos Beltran, so... Um, it, it, it's just a, a wonderful job by Cashman to, to recognize the opportunity here, you know, the value of, of elite relief uh, in today's game. And the Royals are a big part of that. You know, they're part of this trend. Um, what they've done in October the last couple of years, they, they've shown teams where that can get you. So, um, you know, there was a time where relievers just weren't this, worth this much in the trade market. Uh, you think about the Miller trade, you, look, you compare the Miller trade to the Jonathan Lucroy trade and, and how much more the Indians had to give up for Miller versus Lucroy. Uh, you're talking about an elite catcher in the game, and, and an elite reliever had even more value. So it says a lot about where today's game is and, and good on the Yankees for capitalizing on it. And that is one Anthony Castrovince uh, of MLB.com, and we certainly thank him for joining us. Again, the big move that occurred today was the Yankees trading Andrew Miller uh, from New York to Cleveland and getting a slew of prospects, probably the top of which is Clint Frazier, who a lot of people have uh, dated as, you know, really a five-tool guy. The Yankees have really made what you would consider the two major deals with Jonathan Lucroy avoiding his, uh, and that was the fact that they traded Araldis Chapman earlier in the week. Now, we hope to have Sweeney Murdy join us in a couple of minutes live, but right now I, I did chat with him a little bit before the Miller trade about Araldis Chapman and what his original take was on this entire deal. Let's start with the Araldis Chapman trade because that was the big move this past week in Major League Baseball. What were your original thoughts? Well, the Yankees uh, did pretty good with the haul that they got from the Cubs, and that's what it was going to take to move Chapman. Uh, He's really the first easy piece to move for the Yankees because he is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. The thing I found interesting... Neil was listening to Chapman after the trade and just watching him. He really seemed attached to the Yankees, even though he'd only been there for a couple of months. Uh, He really seemed disappointed that he was being traded. And then seeing the reaction that he got in Chicago and how, you know, simply because of what happened, and it's, you know, it's completely understandable that he was uh, kind of being grilled a lot. he didn't seem to – I think he felt he thought that he had already addressed that stuff and that it was over, but now he's on a new team. And, you know, fast forward, if he signs with another team in the winter as a free agent, he has to go through that again. So having already said that he likes his time with the Yankees, that uh, he would want to come back as a free agent, I'm thinking if you add all that together, maybe just as a comfort factor, he doesn't have to go through and answer that another round of questions from another city's media and another city's fans – Maybe that's something that leads him back to the Yankees. So if you add that up and think about the top prospect they got back, plus Adam Warren who helps this pen now, I think the Yankees made a pretty good deal. Without question. I mean, to me it seemed a no-brainer, but it still was unusual for the Yankees to move a part ahead of the deadline. 
Yeah, off their major league roster, sure. Um, you know, uh, people will say when was the last time the Yankees were actual sellers? You have to go back to 1989 when they traded Ricky Henderson to the Oakland A's. Um, other than that, the Yankees are usually picking up pieces at this time of year, and, and they kind of did. You know, I mean, they added a top-level prospect and a piece to their bullpen. They really just shuffled what is still the strength of their team because they still have Dylan Patances and Andrew Miller. And uh, if you add Adam Warren to the mix that can kind of bridge those sixth and seventh inning uh, roles there, well, then that's that's something that they've just shuffled pieces in their bullpen while adding to their prospect base. So you use the term seller, though. Are they truly a seller? Does it depend what happens today on this Sunday in the last game between these two teams in this series going into Monday's trading deadline? Do they move other pieces like Carlos Beltran? What's your what's your take? I, I think they're kind of still close enough that I, I don't I don't think they'll get enough for a player like Beltran at this point that makes it worth moving. You know, this isn't uh, a team that's just looking to shed the extra payroll and get whatever they can get. Uh, I, I think they feel that they could, it's the same case with a guy like Ivan Nova. Uh, I, I think they feel like if they don't get something worth trading him for, then there's no point in actually doing it. And maybe, you know, there's still a belief that there is a, a spurt, a run in this team, because they've really been nothing more than a 500 team. And uh, that is uh, Sweeney Murdy from yesterday before the big Andrew Miller deal. And we now have Sweeney with us. And, and Sweeney, give us your take on this. How surprised were you? Um, and did two losses to the Rays change that much? A uh, little surprised, yeah. Um, did the losses change that much? It's hard to tell because, I, you know, I, I feel like they – they're still kind of supplementing the big league team because of the Tyler Clippard acquisition. And you're looking at the the prospects they got back. I think they feel like a, a big part of what they're doing with these deals is, is adding to their minor league system and adding real quality when you consider uh, three of the prospects they just got in these last two deals. So um, I, I think it's hard to say because we you are where you are. I don't know if you can accurately say, well, if they had won these last two games, they wouldn't have made this deal because maybe Cleveland still, because you're looking at it from Cleveland's perspective too, maybe they're still offering this and say we have to have this player. Good point. From, from a farm system standpoint, I mean, the Yankees now have seven of the top 100 prospects in the game um, and many more that probably are just on the outside of that. Do they believe that a lot of these guys are going to be future pieces or does this just give them more maneuverability um, going forward? I think it's both. I mean, I think you have to look at the Yankees as a team that's not looking three years down the road. Uh, they are still looking at today. As I said, you know, they've kind of shuffled the pieces in a in a very uh, a big strength for the team. The only strength of the team is their bullpen. Well, you still have Dylan Batances back there. You've kind of, looks like maybe a combination of Adam Warren and Tyler Clippard getting you through the, the seventh and eighth innings. A couple of other arms that you've seen uh, in this series as well. And um, you know, and then still trying to uh, uh, to figure out the rest of this with a lot of the prospects they've gotten. They have a lot of outfield depth right now. They have a lot of uh, shortstop depth right now. So I mean, they've got athletes, and uh, I, I think what you try to do is move those guys around the field when necessary uh, as they move up the big league level and use them if you need to. They certainly, they certainly now when you talk about. Whether it's Chris Sale or somebody else that comes out there over the next year or so, uh, you say who has the prospects to get a player like that? I think you're always going to look at the Yankees being able to do that. The question is, do they do they kind of throw them all out there and uh, and, and and go all in in that situation? 
Certainly going to be interesting to see how they handle it going forward. You know, have they also realized what was a change in the marketplace? And that is never before were relievers valued this much. I mean, maybe the Ken Giles, Vince Velasquez deal started to change the tenor. But what the Royals did the last couple of years, has that kind of changed the value of a reliever for getting someone for the postseason, in yeah, essence? I guess you've, you know, you found that out in the, just in the last two deals, and you're talking about a couple of teams in, in, in you know, unique situations. You know what, who the Cubs are and how long it's been since they won and uh, trying to separate themselves from, from teams that also needed relief help in the National League, like Washington and San Francisco, uh, and they were able to, uh, to pull the trigger on that deal. And you look at the Cleveland Indians, who all of a sudden got, hot and shot to the top of the central and can look at the rest of the league and say you know we can be better than these guys if we close out ball games uh the rangers were in the same situation and uh and the indians were able to to take advantage i found it unlikely that the indians were going to do something like that because they value their talent so much but you know you find an opportunity you take a chance you know, cleveland all of a sudden is the city of champions here you know they can't lose so uh Maybe uh, maybe that the the hot streak they went on. Look at the landscape around the AL and say this is a deal you have to make. Plus the fact that this guy was signed for two more years. It wasn't a, it wasn't a rental. I'm sure that influenced the Indians as well. Correct, and they still have four of the top hundred prospects, even with what they surrendered in these deals. The big player though is Clint Frazier. How good do the Yankees feel he can be? They think he's an electric bat. In Brian Cashman's uh, words, they think he's an incredible athlete uh, with a lot of energy. Uh, can play all the all the outfield positions, so uh, he's flexible there. Uh, guy was a first round pick and a, and a national player player of the year out of high school. He's uh, he's moved up to the AAA level, so he's kind of knocking on the door. Uh, I think they uh, they feel very good about about his ability there. Well, Sweeney, we certainly appreciate a few minutes, especially under the circumstances. Thanks for joining us on uh, the day before the deadline after this big deal. Thanks, Neil. Nice to follow myself on tape. You got it. That's Sweeney Marty again from. Uh, WFAN, the Yankees beat reporter. You've seen him probably many times on MLB Network, and we appreciate all of his time and that of Anthony Castrovince of MLB.com. Also, we appreciate joining us, Kevin Jepson, our featured guest, as well as Todd Callis of Fox Sports Sun. And from the minor league side of the Rays, we certainly appreciate Jared Sandberg being with us along with Mitch Lukovich. Next week, we're going to chat with Luke Maley. You can always email us with your thoughts on Twitter, again, at Neil Solons. Uh, Coming up, it's the Rays pregame show. That's just in a moment. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.